In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a decision. With God's help, like God has forgiven me and removed the barrier between us, I'm going to forgive her. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army. We salute we you. We salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with our producer and co-host, Dale Colber, we're, uh, I'm down in California. Dale's up in Oregon, so our voices were not as harmonized as normal. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great, buddy. Hey, I'm excited to be here today. We, I'm excited to have uh, our guest on today. Uh, we brought had him on episode 344, uh, talking about one of his latest books. And uh, this guy really is the guru of uh, couples. I'm really excited about this. Before I bring him on, I want to remind our guys, hey, guys, Get on over to our website and get a free copy of my bathroom book for men. This is a 365-day devotional for men. It's over 400 pages long. And actually, we're not going to offer this as a free download anymore. We're uh, repackaging the cover and the title, and we're going we're gonna to start selling this sucker only. And so uh, it's a last chance if you want to get a free download to go check it out, and that's going to be going away real quick. So make sure you head on over there. And do that. Hey, Dale, uh, do you have a hero story for us today, man? Yeah, we have a friend of ours now, uh, Anthony, that's been listening to the podcast and it's really changed his life around. He sent in a review and we read that and he was pretty stoked on that. So, Anthony, thank you for uh, sharing with us what God's done in your life. Yeah, pretty cool, man. Keep those uh, hero stories coming, guys. Uh, we want to hear what God is doing in your life. We want to hear how He's using this podcast and our resources and our forum to impact your life and those that you love, because we believe when you get it, everyone wins. And so uh, keep those reviews coming. Hey, I want to get on our show. Uh, Dr. Gary Chapman was just on a couple episodes ago. He's 82 years old, lives in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, been married to his beautiful wife, Carolyn, for over 50 years. Uh, Gary is a has, is an author, speaker, pastor, counselor. He has a passion for people and for helping them form lasting relationships. He's well known marriage counselor and director of marriage seminars. The Five Love Languages is one of Gary's most popular titles, topping various bestseller charts. Uh, it's selling over thirteen million copies, and it's been on the New York Times bestseller list 
continuously since 2007. Gary's uh, been directly involved in real-life family counseling since the beginning of his ministry years, and his nationally syndicated radio programs air nationally on Moody Radio Network and over 400 affiliate stations. We're going to be discussing his newest book today called Five Simple Ways to Strengthen Your Marriage When You're Stuck at Home. This is an outstanding small little book. I read it in about an hour, and it is packed with nuggets. And so, uh, Gary, it's great to have you back on the show again, sir. Well, thank you, Jim. It's good to be back with you. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about this book. I really appreciate that you contacted us and said, hey, I've got this book. I, I think it will help your guys. And we're really, really excited about this book. So you want to tell us a little story about why you wrote it? Yeah, it was at the beginning of the pandemic, and I saw things coming, and I said, you know, I've got to help some folks <laughs> who are going to be yeah. stuck at home together. The whole playing field is going to be different now. So, you know, I just kind of pulled on my 40-plus years of marriage and family counseling and put together some things that I thought would really be helpful. And I'm uh, eager to share them with your guys today. Well, you know, on page five of your book, you said, some have said that we are all in the same ship as we face the turbulent season seas of COVID-19. And I love what you wrote. You said, that's not true. <laughs> we are all in our own ship. Some of you have small children in your ship. Others have college students who have gotten back into your ship. We are not all in the same boat, are we? So talk to me, talk to me about that statement, Gary. Yeah, what I'm trying to say, you know, we often say, well, we're all in the same ship, you know. Yeah. No, 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 we're not. <laughs> because people that have you know, school-aged children at home, you know, during the end of the school year, that's very different, you know, from having college-age students at home during the end of the year, or just a husband and wife at home, uh, and maybe they're working from home, or maybe they don't have jobs now. So, yeah. you, a lot of, our ships are all different. We're in the same storm. <laughs> that is a true statement. But we're in different ships. Yeah, That is so true. Well, I, I think the reason behind the book is, uh, here, and I'm going to quote you here, and you said, some are predicting that the divorce rate will increase in America when the shelter-in-place orders are lifted. Reports indicate that this is exactly what happened in China when the quarantine was lifted. Let me suggest that quarantines do not cause divorce. People do. Will you unpack that truth with us? Yeah, you know, I think oftentimes we want to blame our circumstances when a marriage fails. And more commonly, we also blame each other <laughs> when a marriage yeah. is failing. And then what I'm saying is no. Now, if you have a tr if you had a troubled marriage before the pandemic set in, then yes, the stress is likely going to make it worse because now you're together, you know, much more than you normally are. And uh, but it, it wasn't the pandemic. It wasn't the COVID nineteen that caused the divorce. No, it was the two of you. That, led, that decided to divorce. Humans divorce, not circumstances. Humans either choose to work on a marriage or they choose to give up on a marriage. Yeah, that's so good, man. I mean, I look at my marriage. Our marriage has gotten better during this time. Yeah. And I think that your marriage is what you make it or what you don't make it. And uh, you have five real simple steps for couples to grow closer during the season. And I'll be honest with you, Gary, when I got the book, it's only, I don't know, 100 pages long. And I read it in about an hour, but it's, it's just one of those books that, quite frankly, it's packed with all of your years of experience, packed into one little booklet. And it's a brilliant, brilliant book. And I am really excited about this book. And let's unpack these five things. We don't have a lot of time. 
So I want to I want to roll through this. But the first one I thought was it's really interesting when I read a book of a man with your stature and your influence, and you just simplify it down to five things. And I thought, okay, this is worth a stop and read. Number one is this. Let's unpack these one at a time. Number one is this: call a truce to throwing verbal bombs. On page 11 of your book, you wrote, everything we say is either a bomb, B-O-M-B, or a balm, B-A-L-M. Bombs destroy, but balm is an aromic oil or ointment that is soothing and healing. Harsh, cruel, condemning words like bombs exploding in the heart of a recipient. Kind, loving, affirming words are like the ointment of healing to the heart of one who receives them. So let's talk practically about this. How does a couple fix something that's been running wild through their marriage? If they've been used to these regular bombing runs, what, what do you suggest they do? Well, what I'm suggesting is you say one of you has to initiate a conversation, of course. Yes. And it should be the guy. If you're listening, you're the guy to do it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, what, what am I saying to your wife? You know, honey, uh, we've, we've been at each other a lot. And I know that I've said some hurtful things to you. Uh, and and yeah, be honest with you, you've said some pretty hurtful things to me. Mm. So what if we just sign a truce? Rather than going on with this war, why don't we start a, call a truce and just agree that for the next three weeks, we're going to try not to throw verbal bombs. Because, see, you throw a verbal bomb at your spouse, it explodes. The yeah. bomb explodes in their heart and in their mind. And bonds are destructive. And what, what's the normal pattern? They throw you a bomb, you throw a bomb back. We shoot, we shoot, we shoot <laughs> till we kill each other. Yes. <laughs> what I'm saying is let's call a truce. And let's say, you know, with the help of God, let's stop throwing bombs at each other. And uh, yeah. it's a choice. And I have also said in, in the book, I try to make this case throughout the book, because some will say, well, my spouse won't do this. They, they're not interested. You know, they don't want to even talk about these kind of things. Okay, you, you just sign the truce yourself and say, I'm going to stop throwing verbal bombs. Uh, a lady told me the other day, she said, Dr. Chapman, my husband said to me, you are lazy, girl, <laughs> because I did not put a plastic bag back in the trash can after I took the trash out. And I'm saying to myself, who is this guy? You know? Yeah. Why not say, honey, thanks for taking the trash out? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you, 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 try, you sign the truce. And then the next step is you substitute bombs, as you said, for bombs, B-A-L-M-S. Or you substitute criticism for gratitudes, expressing something positive to the other person. Now you really begin to change the attitude. Not only are we not throwing bombs, which has already created a better atmosphere, but now we're beginning to give each other compliments. We're beginning to look for things we can thank the other person for. And we're changing the climate in the relationship. You That's know, really good. You know, I, I tell this story in the book, at least I tell part of it, I can't remember, but uh, a guy said to me when I was challenging him to do this, he said, oh, Dr. Chapman, he said, I, I'm, I'm just not good at this. He said, I, I, I have a hard time saying positive things to my wife, he said. I said, okay. I said, hey. I said here's your assignment. Uh, you get your little criticism, you get your little gratitude notebook. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't care what it looks like. You put gratitude notebook and you put your wife's name at the top. And this week, I want you to write down three things that you appreciate about your wife. Well, he came back and he had three things down. They were kind of generic. You know, she's a good cook. She's a good mother. She's a good school teacher. <laughs> okay. I said, that's good. That's good, man. You're doing good. And then out beside each one of those, I wrote a little note, just a sentence. For example, uh, on the one that says uh, she's a good uh, cook, uh, I just wrote out there, honey, I know I haven't told you this very often, but you're an excellent cook. And I really appreciate all the meals you prepare. Okay. And then after the others, I just wrote out a sentence and said, now here's your assignment. You go home, stand in front of a mirror by yourself, read these statements twice a day, you know, until the next, you come back the next time. Come back. I said, okay, can you say them without looking? He did. <laughs> okay. Now here's your assignment. The next three weeks, every week you give her one of these. Okay. He did. And then he came back. I said, how'd it go, man? <laughs> he said, don't tell me I got through. He said, the last time I did it, the last one I told her, she said to me, what's going on with you? I've never <laughs> heard you give me so many compliments. He said, well, honey, I'm just trying to learn how, how to express to you how much I appreciate you. And she said, I love you so much. You are a wonderful husband. He said, Mark Chapman, she hadn't said that in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know what's funny about what that statement is? You talked about when I'm bombing my wife or when we're bombing, B-O-M-B, the natural prop the propensity is to retaliate, right? Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with a gratitude bomb. The natural propensity is to reciprocate. And so what you just shared a story is she's reciprocating what he did and bombing her with gratitude. Yeah, and it only took three weeks, yeah, <laughs> three statements, you know, and here oh. she is giving him one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. You stop the bombing runs, man. Well, I've got a book coming out in the fall as well called Strong Men, Dangerous Times, and we talk about uh, one of the five essentials is to, to fight apathy, and it's men sitting back hoping the problem's going to fix itself. And, uh, you know, it's really interesting, uh, Dr. Chapman, I don't know if you did this on purpose, but, you know, of these five things, you do a lot of word pictures in here. You talk about a bomb or a wall or a language, and the guys can really relate to your book because they can see the picture in their brain, and they can begin to work through the picture and the image that you've given them, and it's really good. And it leads me to the second one. And so on, on page 15, you said this. This is the second way we can enhance our marriages during COVID-19 and beyond. Now comes the second step you wrote. What if during the truce, this is the bombing truce, you begin to replace verbal bombs with verbal bombs, which we talked about. What if you seek to replace them, the complaining with gratitude, and then you, you flow into this number two, which is once you start doing that, and I love this word picture, number two is you tear down emotional walls, and then you continued. So if you've entered this pandemic season with a wall between the two of you, this is an ideal time to tear it down. So in your book, you talk about these walls being torn down one block at a time or built one block at a time. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, I think here's what happens in all of our relationships, for that matter. Uh, from time to time, uh, one of us will offend the other, yeah. either something we did or said or didn't do or didn't say. And when we do that, it's like putting a block, an emotional block in a wall between us. If we don't do anything about it, we just move on and think everything will be, oh, she'll get over it or I'll get over it, you know. Then three weeks later, there's another one and then another block. 
and another. Walls are built by one event after another. Yeah. Now, the ideal would be not to let the wall get built by dealing with, with it when it happens. But if you have the wall already, uh, or whether you're just uh, thinking about this, the walls are torn down by apologizing. Yes. Whoa, apologizing. So <laughs> Gratitude, I, now apology. <laughs> here's what I would suggest uh, to the guys. I know that in your mind, if there's a wall, it's mainly her fault. Okay, I understand that. I understand that. And in her <laughs> mind, it's your fault. <laughs> yep. Well, why don't you start? You just get alone with God. And you say to God, Lord, you know what I live with. Oh, you know how awful she is. <laughs> but I know that I'm not perfect. So what I want to know is where have I been failing my spouse? Bring back to my mind the things where I failed her. Get your pencil and start writing. God will answer that prayer. Write them down and then confess them to God. Then go to your spouse and say, honey, you know, uh, I've been thinking about us a lot since we've uh, kind of been confined here. And uh, I know I've been on your case a lot, and I know I blamed you for a lot of things. But I, I asked God to show me where I've been failing you, and he gave me a pretty good list. And if you got a few minutes, I'd like to share these with you, and I'd like to ask you if you can find it in your heart to forgive me for these things, because I really want to be a better husband. And if this is not all, if something else comes to your mind when I finish these, if you'll tell me what it is, I want to apologize for that too. I just really want to tear down the wall and I want us to have a better relationship. I don't think many wives are not going to listen to you. If you take that approach, she'll let you read the list. Now I'm not going to guarantee you. She'll just immediately forgive you. She may, it all depends on what the offenses are, but even if she doesn't, she's going to walk away and in her mind, she's going to be saying, wow, this is different. All I've heard for the last five years is how bad I am. And now he's apologizing for some things. Whoa. You see, God can use your action to touch her heart. Mm. And who knows, three weeks or one week or three days, she may come back and say, honey, I know I told you I couldn't forgive you right now, but I've been thinking about it. And I, I want to forgive you for those things. But more than that, I want to tell you where I've been failing. Now you That's get the whole wall torn down. That is so powerful. Well, you started with these uh, these uh, bombs, which I would, in the book you called them, they were anger, based out of anger, these anger bombs. And now you've got an apology. On page 28 of your book, you said, apology alone will not remove an emotional barrier created by an offense. So you talk about forgiveness, and forgiveness is what starts tearing that down. So, okay, I'm a man listening to your podcast. What I love uh, Gary, about what you said, as you said to the man, you said, why don't you start? Yeah. And, and that's what we're telling the men all the time. Man, when you get it, everyone wins. So start with you. You are the answer to the, you are the answer here, guys. So start with you. So I'm a man, I'm listening to podcasts and I realize, oh man, I've got some walls or I'm not sure if I have some walls. How do I begin the process yeah, well, I think once you've identified, you know, the things on your side and you uh, are, are willing to deal with those and go to her, as I said, apology is the first step. Mm -hmm. Now, she may come to you. She may have come to you in the past and apologized to you. 
that doesn't get the relationship back together. There has to be a response. And the, the Christian response is to forgive the person, which means I'm going to lift the penalty. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take down the wall so that our relationship can go forward. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Sometimes guys will say, well, I've just been hurt so deeply. Maybe she had an affair or something really, really deep. And I've just been hurt so deeply. I just don't know if I can forgive her. I just can't. I just don't feel like I can forgive her. I understand that. It's okay to feel like you can't do it. Mm-hmm. But forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. Yes. It's a decision. With God's help, like God has forgiven me and removed the barrier between us. I'm going to forgive her and remove the barrier. <clears throat> now our relationship can go forward. And so, you know, it, it's, it's both of those things, apology and forgiveness. And here's the other thing I deal with in the book, and we can just touch on this lightly, but yep. we have different ideas on how to apologize. Uh, you know, I wrote another book some time ago called When Sorry Isn't Enough. Yeah. Uh, we, we grew up and par- chances are our parents taught us how to apologize. Maybe our mother said to us when we hit our little sister, honey, don't hit your sister. Go tell her you're sorry. So little Johnny said, I'm sorry, even though he wasn't. <laughs> I'm yep. sorry. Well, yep. now, he's, now he's married 20 years later. And if, if, uh, if he offends his wife, he says, I'm sorry. And in his mind, he's apologized. In her mind, he has not apologized because her parents taught her not only to say I'm sorry, but to say I was wrong. I should not have done that, you know, or something else. We, we found that there was five basic ways that people apologize. And uh, so, you know, discussing those is important because we judge sincerity by how they apologize. Well, the other thing you mentioned in the book, Gary, is it's not good enough to apologize if you are to have a caveat. I'm sorry I got angry at you, but you didn't put the trash bag in the trash can. <laughs> that you can't, you got to let the apology hang and stand alone, mutually exclusive from the other person. Yeah, it's not an apology when you do that. You're blaming them. Yeah. You, so, if you so had we, not done that, I would not have done that. You know, you're blaming so them. So what about, what about forgiveness versus forgetfulness? Well, forgiveness does not destroy the memory. Yes. And forgiveness does not, dis, does not uh, remove the emotions. You know, sometimes you hear people say, if you haven't forgotten, you haven't forgiven. That's not true. Agreed. No, 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 no. The memory of what happened in the past will come back to your mind from time to time. And when the memory comes back, often the emotions come back. So what do you do when you, when you have verbalized to them, I forgive you, honey. And now the memory comes back and the emotions come back. You take it to God. You say, Lord, you know what I'm remembering and you know what I'm feeling again. But I thank you that I forgave that. Now help me to do something good today. And you don't allow the memory and the emotions to control your behavior. Because if you do, you'll be negative. If you do, you'll, you'll be criticizing them again. If you do, you'll be you know, putting yourself down, feeling sorry for yourself again. No, look, we don't choose our feelings. They just come. We choose our attitude and we choose our behavior. Yeah, that's so powerful, Gary. Thank you so much. So, so the first thing I need to do uh, during this COVID-19 to build my marriage is to call a truce on verbal bombs. The second thing I need to do, and I love the word picture, tear down the walls, guys, one block at a time. And the third, Gary, in your book is discover 
if this wasn't in your book, Gary, I would be so disappointed. <laughs> you know, you read a book, you're like, if he doesn't put this in here, I'm going to be angry and I'm going to drop a bomb. No, I'm just kidding. So discover, number three is discover and speak each other's love language. And I wrote in parentheses and their dialect. And I know <laughs> yeah. that over 13 million copies sold. And I know, I know you get this asked all the time, but I'm going to ask it one more time. Will you review uh, and the guys can go take this test for free at the five number five lovely love languages.com will you unpack these love languages and why the dialect is also really important for us to note today yeah well the simple idea is that what makes one person feel loved doesn't make another person feel loved mm. and what i discovered in my counseling over many many years is there's five fundamental ways to express love to the other person on an emotional level. You know, everybody pretty much agrees our deepest emotional need as humans on the human plane is to feel loved by the significant people in our lives. If you feel loved by your wife, life is pretty beautiful. Yep. If she feels loved by you, life is beautiful for her. But if you don't feel loved, life begins to look dark, you know? So, how do, you, how do you effectively do that? Uh, here are the five love languages. Number one, these are in no particular order. The number one is uh, words of affirmation, you know, which we've already talked about, giving her positive words. Uh, another, and they, I'll just mention the dialect thing here, not on all of them. But, but for example, there's words of praise for something she did. There's words uh, simply uh, about her personality, something you like about her personality. Uh, for example, my wife is just always positive. Whatever's going on, she'll always see the positive side. I appreciate that about her, you know? Yeah. Look About her personality, it can be the way she looks, uh, but or it can be encouraging words. You know, honey, you did a good job with that. You know, I, I really appreciate that. I, I have a little story, I think, in the book about a guy who just accidentally picked up and read an article that his wife had written. She, she'd never had anything published. He read the article, and he said to her, honey, this is good. You ought to submit this to the local newspaper. They'll print this. And she said, really? You think so? Yeah, I think so. And she did, and they printed it, you know? <laughs> so uh, you just look for things like that, words that you can encourage them in the field where they, where they have an interest. So words of affirmation, acts of service, doing something for the other person that you know they would like for you to do. This is my wife's love language. That's why I take the trash out. I vacuum the floors, I wash the dishes, you know, own, uh, those are the kind of things that makes her feel loved, you know? Uh, I think that's the most difficult one, too. My wife says, <laughs> acts of service. I go, why did you have to pick the tough one? <laughs> well, some guys say the toughest one is quality time. Oh, yeah, that's you know, true. That's talk true. to her. I can't do this. <laughs> so acts of service. You know, there's an old saying, actions speak louder than words. Yes. If this is their love language, they do speak louder than words. True. And then I mentioned quality time, which is giving her your undivided attention. I'm not talking about sitting on the couch watching television. Someone else has your attention. TV's off, computer's down. We're not answering the phone. We're looking at each other. We're talking. We're interfacing. Oh, we can take a walk down the road or go out to eat as long as we talk when we go out to eat. Uh, or you <laughs> can be you know, planting a garden in the front yard. And the important thing is not the garden. It's that you're giving her your attention and doing something she enjoys doing. Uh, and then they're gifts. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. The gift says, they were thinking about me. Look what they got from me. 
And, and I know for some guys, gifts is, is not, uh, you know, they, not their language. They don't quite know how to do this. Well, ask her sister what she would enjoy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or if you got a grown daughter, ask her, what do you think mama would like, you know? And, and listen, they don't have to be expensive. Uh, a guy told me some time ago, he said, Dr. Chapman, I was taking a walk. This is during this pandemic. I was taking a walk and I saw a bird feather and I picked it up and I took it home. And I said to her, honey, I found this bird feather and it reminded me of you. You are the wind beneath my wings, girl. I want you to have this as a token of my love. Woo! Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> Didn't cost oh, a thing. <laughs> a lot of, lot of payoff though. <laughs> yeah. And then number five is physical touch. And most men say, Oh, that's my language. <laughs> They're talking sex. And yeah. I say, well, now, do non-sexual touches make you feel loved? And he looks at me like a deer in the headlights. Are there non-sexual touches? <laughs> <laughs> I say, well, let's say you get out of the car, you're walking into a grocery store together. She reaches over and holds your hand as you walk into the store. Does that make you feel loved? And if he says, mm, no, that kind of irritates me. I say, well, let's say that she's pouring you a cup of coffee and she puts her hand on your shoulder. Does that make you feel loved? And if he says, mm, not really, I said, physical touch is not your love language. Okay, you yep, like sex, yep. but that's not your love language. <laughs> <laughs> so don't assume that physical touch means the sexual part of the marriage, though that is certainly an expression of love as well. So and the basic idea is this. Out of the five, we each have a primary love language. One speaks more deeply to us emotionally than the other four. And seldom does a husband and wife have the same love language. By nature... We love them the way we want them to love us. And it doesn't connect. And that's why sometimes when a wife says to a husband, I feel like you don't love me, he will say, what do you mean don't love you? I do this and this and this, and you don't feel love? What do you mean? It's not that he's not sincere. He's been loving her. In his mind, he's loving her. In her mind, if he loved her, he would do, you know, whatever her love language is. So, uh, that's why I think this this simple concept has helped so many couples connect emotionally with each other and genuinely feel loved. And when you feel loved by your spouse, much easier to process everything else in life. Conflicts, epidemics, much easier to come to just handle everything when you both feel secure in each other's love. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I really, our guys need to go pick up your book. It just needs to be in their library. And they need to take the test. I administered the whole test to my family and my son's significant others. My one son's uh, engaged. And we learned hers was a uh, gifts of of, uh, receiving gifts. So we had a custom made a Green Bay Packers pin from wood from Lambeau Field. We made it and sent it to her. And I'm telling you what. She will forever be on our team now because (laughs) because, uh, we did that for her and that spoke her language. And so speaking of team. Uh, of your five of the five ways that we can enhance our marriages, I think number four is probably the most difficult for a guy to wrap his brain around because it's not a visual cue. And so number one was a truce bomb, you know, call a truce on verbal bombs. Number two is tear down walls and tear down the blocks. Number three was learn to speak and learn to the, learn to speak their love language. And then number four is learn the value of teamwork on page 51 of your book, you said marriage is a team sport. Successful couples learn how to work as a team. 
players on an athletic team do not do the same task, but they do have the same objective. Because this is not necessarily as visual for guys, can you unpack this with us uh, on a deeper level, Gary? Thank you so much. Yeah, I think, uh, as I said, on the on an athletic team, uh, the guys have different roles, you know, but they work together as a team to accomplish the goal. And in marriage, uh, we're, we're not the same. We're different. And the, the, the role that the husband and wife plays will be somewhat different from family to family, you know, from couple to couple. Uh, most of us work this out somewhat in the early days of the marriage. That is, you know, we decide who's going to buy the groceries, who's going to cook, who's going to wash dishes, who's going to vacuum floors, who's going to clean the toilets, you know, who's going to put gas in the car and wash the car and mow the grass and walk the dog and on and on and on. And, 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 and typically in the early years of marriage, there's some struggle over this because yeah. he's doing what his dad did and she's doing what and she expects him to do what her dad did. And they're different. So you have to work these out. Well, as I said, most couples kind of get this worked out pretty well. And then you have a pandemic where the kids come home. They're not in school during the daytime. They're at home now. And we're the two of us are at home. The whole playing field has changed. Yeah. So this is a time to, to kind of reflect again, honey, uh, you know, maybe we need to be doing this differently. And, and I think I give the illustration in the book of a, uh, a lady who the pattern they'd worked out was she got up, she cooked breakfast for the family, and then she went off to work. He got the kids ready for school, drove them to school on his way to work. Everything was working fine. Then came the pandemic. The kids are now at home. His wife is not a morning person. She was getting up at great sacrifice to do that. Mm -hmm. He is a morning person. So the first morning after that, she's in the bed sleeping. He's in the kitchen saying, where's mama? Where's mama? <laughs> and, ah. she, and she's thinking, you know, I, since we have to do this anyway, I just like to sleep a little later. You know, well, why doesn't he say to her, honey, look, you sleep later. I know you're not a morning person and I appreciate your sacrifice through the years. Let me cook breakfast during this time. And you just get an extra hour of sleep. Okay, we changed roles, you know, but we did it based on our personality and we did it as an act of love. Now, here's, here's a little uh, a, a statement you can make, a question you can make that'll help you decide if something needs to be changed. Simply say to your wife, honey, is there something I could do that would make your life easier during mm. this time? Is there something I could do that would make your life easier? during this time. And if there is, she'll tell you, she'll tell you, you know, and, and if, if this guy had asked her that to start with, she would have said, honey, if you could cook breakfast for the kids, you know, and, and let me sleep a little later. Okay. You see, we get information on maybe we need to change the roles a bit on who does what. Yeah. And, uh, and so, but we're a team. We just want to use the best team member, the one that has the most passion or the most interest or most ability in a particular area. Uh, we want the, the person doing the thing that's going to be most helpful so that we see ourselves as a team. Yeah, that's really good. I've got a word picture. I just had, I just came and I looked, I was looking at your book and on page 55, you give these guys a word picture because every great team spends time on the chalkboard or the whiteboard. I, we called it a chalk talk. Now they say getting up on the whiteboard. Now they're probably saying smart board. But, but you, you, you said this. You said uh, this chapter is going back to the drawing board. It's when couples sit down and you told them to make a list. Make a list. What do we do before and, and how is this going to change now? 
what what are these what is this new role because you're right I, I know the first two years of my marriage uh we really struggled with establishing our roles and so now we've got into a rhythm yeah. but when covid-19 hit my wife who's a flight attendant was not able to fly well now she's home all day and i'm gone all day and i come home and i'm like okay uh we need to talk because i'm expecting things to happen now that you're home and and so let's Let's establish our roles. So we really did this ourselves, Gary. And this was very, yeah. uh, very, very helpful for us. And so uh, to, and you said this on page 58, you said, my suggestion is take time to evaluate your personality differences. Yeah. So talk about the personality differences and getting back on the chalkboard and, and reevaluating. Well, one example would be the one I just shared. And that is a morning person and a night person. You know, those yeah. are, those are personality traits. And so maybe now that things are different, maybe there's that, that has some implications for how we handle things. Uh, you know, other personality traits would be uh, some one of us, it's, it's chances are what I call a babbling brook when it comes to talking. They just yeah. talk and talk and talk. Everything that enters the eyes and the, and the ears comes out the mouth. And the other is what I call a dead sea. <laughs> you know, they receive the Jordan River, <laughs> but they don't pass it on. And they're perfectly happy not to talk. Yeah. And usually these two people marry each other. Okay, well, now we're thrown together more. We have more time. Uh, you know, we'd kind of worked it out and kind of you know, halfway felt satisfied about it. But now that we have more time, the talker is probably saying, you know, now that we've got more time together, could you share a little more? You know, I have to ask you everything. You know, you make one statement and I say, and? Yeah. <laughs> you get to pull it out of us. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So understanding those, nothing wrong with either one of those personalities, you know, it's just that we have to learn how to, you know, the, the Dead Sea has to learn how to share more that he feels comfortable sharing. And the Dead Sea has to, the Babbling Brook has to slow the flow. Yeah. And you become a better listener and a better questioner. You know, so, yeah, I, I love those that. kind of so, things are important. So number one, I need to tear down or call a truce to verbal bombs. And number two, I need to tear down the walls. Number three, learn it to speak her love language, learn her dialect. Number four, uh, have the sit down, the chalkboard, and deal with this marriage as a team sport. And we're running, out, we're running towards the end of our time here today, Gary. Number five is something that we actually did naturally, Shanna and I, and I think this is so important. And you just call it a daily sit down and listen time. And on page 64 of your book, you said, the daily sharing time is for the purpose of staying mentally and emotionally connected. Talk to us about this. Yeah, you know, normally we say, let's sit down and talk. Yeah. <laughs> Which means I got something I want to tell you. I'm angry. <laughs> and what I say is, let's call it different. Let's say, let's have a daily sit down and listen time. Mm. Because we're, we're, we need to learn to listen to each other. And so uh, if you agree on this, just like you have a daily sit down time with God, at least I hope you do. You and God uh, uh, sit, sit down time and listen to your spouse. So maybe you say to her, uh, honey, tell me some of your thoughts, some of the things you've thought today or some of the things you've felt today. See, sometimes people say we're in the house all day. We, we see each other. We know what they're doing. Yeah, you know what they're doing, but you don't know what they're thinking and you don't know what they're feeling. True. But if you ask, they'll probably share some of their thoughts. You can't share everything you've thought. <laughs> you share some of their thoughts and some of their feelings. You know, and you say, okay, is there anything I could do that might be helpful in that? 
yeah, maybe there is, maybe there's not, you know, but you know, I can see, honey, how you would feel discouraged. Right? I can see how you might be saddened by that. Uh, and then you get a chance to share some of your thoughts and some of your feelings. It may just be a 15 minute time on a daily basis. Uh, but I also suggest that if you have conflicts, and all of us do from time to time, and by conflict, I mean we disagree on something and we both feel strongly about it, you know, have once a week, have a sit down and listen time to solve a conflict. Because again, in, so, in trying to solve conflicts, usually we're talking. In fact, the average person in a conflict situation will listen to the other person 17 seconds before they interrupt and give their idea. Well, that's not right. Da, 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 da. Well, that's not right. That's... Now we're into an argument. Mm -hmm. We all have had some of those along the way, okay? Arguments go downhill. And I, I like to say this to guys. Think about it this way. If you win an argument with your wife, she lost. It's no fun to live with a loser. Yeah. So why would you create one? <laughs> that is so true. Well, I love your suggestion because you suggested this weekly sit down and listen time. I think, and I highly recommend, Gary, that this should happen regardless of conflict. Call it a date night. Go out, love on each other, and then sit down and listen to each other's heart so you're in tune with their heart constantly. Yeah, that that's uh, that's the emotional bond is built when yeah. we have when we have these interchange. You know, uh, I've said and others have said communication is to marriage what oxygen is to the body. But you can't survive long term without communication, and communication involves both talking and listening. But most of us have to work more on the listening part because we haven't been trained to listen, and so learning how to listen to the other person long enough that you can say, you know, honey, uh, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I can see that. Well, you Anything know, it's, inter you know. it's interesting, Gary, because you talk about tearing down the walls. And so when a guy sees a wall, he tears it down. But what he doesn't realize is once you tear down the wall, what's on the other side of that wall is the best version of your spouse and the best version of your marriage. So that wall, there's not an empty space over there. That is your best version. It's so important. So Gary, Hey, we are out of time today, and we want to honor your uh, busy schedule. Thank you so much. So is the best way to get a hold of your resources still at 5lovelanguages.com? Yes, 5lovelanguages.com. You can see a little blurb on all of my books, including this, uh, this newest book. Yeah. Well, we sure appreciate your time. Guys, you need to go pick up this book. But before you do, let's get our boots on the ground. What, what's next? What actions will you take because of what you heard today? And as I processed Gary's book, and as I looked at the, the five ways I can enhance my marriage, I, I thought, you know what, we, we just need to get this word picture in our brain of a, a wall. And so I want you to look at your marriage as a wall and, and what blocks, I want you to identify certain blocks in the wall that you need to tear down, uh, take Gary's advice and go sit down with your wife and begin tearing those wall down with apology, with forgiveness, and to begin to restore your marriage to your best version. Thanks, Gary, so much for coming on our show today. Thank you, Tim. Good to be with you. Have a great day. Thank you. Same to you. Hey, men, we exist to help you become the best version of you, the whole man, spiritually, physically, mentally, and socially. We want to lead you to your best version. Go to our website, pre-order your copy of my newest book, Strong Men, Dangerous Times. It will be released late in the summer, early in the fall. This book gives you a realistic target for you to aim at when you are going to become your best version 
man, we're really excited to help you in your journey. Dale, what's up next, man? Yeah, guys, go on over to the arena.org and get your free electronic version of the field guide. It's a 365-day read. We call it the bathroom book for men. The time is almost up to get this for free, so get it now. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. Men in the arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.